Welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1 to 9. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom I hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Father, what we don't know, teach us. Who we are not, make us. Where we are not, take us. All to the glory of your name. That in all things, Christ will be glorified. Christ will be exalted. Christ will be formed in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Paul, the apostle, had an agenda from what we are discovering in Colossians. As I have been saying, and every time I will say that Colossians was a book written to highlight or bring to light the centrality of Christ, or better still, the supremacy of Christ and not just the supremacy of Christ, but the sufficiency of Christ. So then, if you have Christ, you are fine. You may not have a wife, but if you have Christ, you are fine. You might not even have a job, but if you have Christ, you are fine. You might not have money, but if you have Christ, you are fine. We have to stop preaching this message that it makes it look like you are not fine until you have money. You are not fine until you are married. You are not fine until you have something that others have. That is not the gospel. The true gospel is you are fine once you have Christ. That is the starting place. And then other things that are necessary or that might be helpful can be developed out of that because on the cross, nothing mattered to the thief. Money was not a problem. Wife was not an issue. Healing was not an issue. He didn't need good help because he was dying anyway. <laughs> House. What does a dying man need a house for? <laughs> Friends? No. Only one thing was important to him. He said, Lord, remember me when he comes to you. I need you. If every Christian in your Christian journey can be encouraged, challenged, Admonished to focus on the centrality of Christ in your life. That is actually the Christian life. The Christian life is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so now, 
Paul's target was to make sure that church, listen, we might not have likes. You might not have the fame. But if you have Christ the way you should have him, you are in the best shape of life. You are in the best shape. Every, that's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Christ is the righteousness of God. And all these things, you are in, you are in the best shape. In fact, Colossians, I didn't read the verse 10. We just read it. Verse 10 says that, and you are complete in Christ. Wow. Someone say, I'm completing him. Say it again. I'm completing him. In other words, once I have him, everything, I have everything I need for life. I have everything I need for life. Some of you who work for some companies that give you a card, let's say you are going for a conference somewhere overseas and they give you a card. That's all they give you. Company card, company credit card. That's all. Your flight, you take care of it, your taxis, your food and everything. You don't ask them, but I don't have pocket money. You don't, you don't ask that. I don't have that. I don't have that. Why? Because the card, everything is on the card. So when you have Christ, everything is on Christ. Everything. Everything. In fact, I found out that many people who find Christ early find life life gets stabilized very early for them. The younger you are, or the, when you find Christ at a younger age, a lot of things fall in line for you in life. A lot of, it's when you come later, you come with a lot of regret, so there's a lot of MOT work that needs to be done. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of reparation, servicing, managing. I mean, some of you are not old at all. You are not old. You are in your early 30s, but a lot of water has passed under the bridge. <laughs> so if you look how old you are, some of you came to Christ in your mid-20s. And even with that, there's been some wear and tear. But I, I, I can tell you that when you find Christ early, a lot of things get secured early in your life. Why? Because Christ is enough. Christ is enough. And in him, we are complete. So now Paul had to write to I think our modern day Christians need it very much. Our modern day Christians, we need this very much because the church has been invaded with all kinds of ideologies and infiltrations to suggest that the Bible alone is not enough, Christ alone is not enough, you need other things, you need things, you know, your Christian life is not complete, your life is really not complete, you need that, you need that, you need that, you need... We, 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 we really need it. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. When you find Christ, you'll find your life. So, he wrote, he, he's writing to the church. Now, to let them know that you are in Christ and it's enough. And not just that, because they were exposed to infiltrations, the Colossian church, just like a modern church, because of mobility of information. And you can get so much information from anywhere. Online, social media, I mean, friends, schools, all kinds of information that distracts from Christ. Most of the information actually distracts from Christ. And so Paul's job was first of all, tell them that Christ is enough. And number two, his job was to protect them from infiltration. Some things that will make them feel like you need this one too. You need yoga to include, you are Christian, but you need yoga. You, you need some crystal balls. 
you need some palm reading. Like some of you, they tell you that you, you just say church, church, church. You have to go to some nightclubs and so you can find a husband too. So he, he, he had to write to protect them from infiltrations and distractions because you can't be distracted. And so in the chapter one, he focuses more on um, Christ being the center of everything. He's the image of the invisible God. And then in chapter two, he brings us in and he ends chapter one by talking about how he's working is striving so we can get to a certain level. And then chapter two, he brings us in to talking about how he's striving for us to, uh, in verse two, striving so that we can be united or comforted, knit together in love, and then to attain to the riches of the full assurance of understanding and to attain the mystery of God, which is Christ. It's, it's, his work is striving for us to get there. Then the verse three mentions about, just mentions a bit more about how in Christ is hid. That, that word hid is interesting. So it might not be obvious. So that's why don't be distracted by that unbeliever who is telling you that this, this, you are getting this thing, you are get, taking it too far. Church, 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 church. Don't be distracted by them because they won't even see the wisdom in Christ because the wisdom is actually hate. It's hate. They won't see the wisdom and the treasure in Christ. In, in him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So that professor would think that the treasure of knowledge is through just his reading of books. That lecturer, some of you who are in universities, Many lecturers are so blind, they think that there is the, the, the glory of their life is in academia. And that's the accumulation of knowledge. But the Bible says actually the treasures of knowledge is hidden in Christ. The treasures of wisdom is hidden in Christ. Whatever you are believing God to accumulate knowledge for, accumulate wisdom for, he said, when you get wisdom, then what happens? When you get knowledge, then the what? He said, the, all the glories that come with this, the treasure that come with it is hid in Christ. So when you are in Christ, there's more to find in Christ. Don't just say, I'm born again, I'm in church, and that's it. There's more in Christ. Tell someone, there's more in Christ. There's more in Christ. There's more. Doesn't matter how, how deep you try to dig, there's still more in Christ. More in Christ to keep exploring and digging and tapping into to the end of your life. Every time there is more. I'm just, I, I don't know what is happening to me, but this time our Bible readings is getting more. I don't know if it's because of what I'm, because of my studies and what I'm discovering in Christ. When I'm reading my Bible, I just can't read it. I just can't read it and go because I'm seeing words that are distracting me. I go and I just stay on the word. And I don't know, but just this. And then every, every verse is so loaded, I'm wondering, how come, uh, is it only me? I'm seeing too much. I'm seeing too much. So now it's like I can't even time my Bible reading. I never finish it. I can't, no, I'm not even talking about Bible studies. Just reading. I can't finish it because I go and I, oh, did he say that? Then I go two verses and I see something. I say, ah, that's what he was talking here, about here. Then I keep going and I just can't go forward. Then I, another scripture, I remember another scripture. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, he's saying the same thing here. Then before I could realize, this thing is, is so sweet. This thing is so deep. And I'm seeing so much. And then the next day I go and read, I even see more. The same verse, I'm seeing more. I go and come back, and I'm, I'm seeing even more. Then I go again, and I come back, and it's just like, how can I even read the rest? Because even this one's not letting me go. Because you can keep digging and digging and digging and digging, because there's, Bible says that all the depths of the riches both of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. How 
unsearchable are his judgments. All oh, the depths of the riches. Deep. You can keep digging the riches and keep the depths. So those who say, I've thought or I know about salvation, I know about redemption, I know about reconciliation, that's it. You haven't met Jesus. Because it's not enough. It doesn't matter what you know about reconciliation, there's still more. Doesn't matter what you know about the cross, there's still more to unpack and unfold about the meaning and the importance of the cross, the importance of the, uh, salvation, the importance and the meanings and depths of the church. There's, there is still more. Someone shout more. more. So that is why they always, if you are not careful, you think, okay, I know about salvation. I know about redemption. I know about Holy Ghost. I know about all these topics. Uh, new believers, I'm done. I know it all. Then you, are, you want something else to add to this Christ, the riches, these are the riches of Christ. Uh, what he is, he has attained for us. Exploring and getting to know more about it, Christ. So you are digging deep. The gospel is called the gospel. The message about Christ, who he is and what he has done. No, going more and going more. Now, if you don't keep going and Christ is not sufficient for you and Christ is not satisfying you, that's when you make the room for other things to come in. You begin to consider. That's why personally, look, I'm just telling you, my Bible reading alone is a struggle. When I say struggle, I just can't. I don't finish reading my Bible. But sometimes then it's time I have to get up and go. I don't, I'm trying to even first finish First Corinthians chapter 2. No, you can't. <laughs> I, I want to finish it because I have a meeting. I, I can't finish it because, and I just can't leave it. And I can't just gloss over it because I, I've, just, I've, I've just hit a nerve. Wow. I, I've seen something that I can't ignore. But I tell you, realize time is gone. I have to stop. So sometimes reading my Bible, I just, I just have to stop. Because I have to go. Time. I have to go. Someone has called me. Oh, uh, the meeting is, yeah, where are you? <laughs> I have to. But what I'm saying is that there's so much depth in Scripture. There's so much depth. I told you the story of someone, I think he was practicing Hinduism or so in Malaysia many years ago. When he got born again, and then they gave him the Bible to read, he liked reading. So he went, he finished reading from Genesis within two weeks or so, and he brought a book back, said, do you have another one? <laughs> because he's used to reading different books. But in Christianity and in Christ, it's just, this is it. We all preach from it. Can you imagine great men of old preach from it? People who are great, people like Bishop David Oedipo yes, yes, yes. is preaching from it. I'm preaching from it. When you are doing Bible study, you preach from it. Everybody preaches. We all feed from it. When you, years ago, I was thinking, ah, so is this the same Bible Kenneth Hagin has been reading? And I have access to it too. I have the same access to it. Oh, wow. That's a privilege. The same thing. But as I taught you last week, the mystery is not on the black and white. You have to go deep, you have to dig. So the problem is that when you think redemption, you know about redemption, you know about crucifixion, you know about the incarnation, that's it. Something else, you need something new, something fresh. That is why when you are beginning to make room for the enemy to take you into verse four, he said, do you, do you realize why he was writing this? He said, and this I say, why am I saying this? Lest any man should beguile. Any man should beguile. Beguile you with reasonable words. With New King James, New American Version in the Standard Bible, English Standard Bible, they, they all use persuasive. When you listen to it, this thing is very convincing. Yeah. When you listen to it, what the person is saying seems very convincing. And it says that they are convincing words 
but it's void of the reality of Christ. And unfortunately, it's beginning to happen behind many puppets in our generation. You can be teaching and sharing things that people love to hear. Unbelievers actually love it, but it doesn't convict them. You are unbelievers' favorite preacher. And yet, 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 they don't develop any taste for Christ after listening to you. And you are their favorite preacher. Say, I think you are in trouble. Yeah. You are supplying something other than Christ. How can someone listen to you, a representative of Christ, a spokesperson of Christ, and never hears Christ, and never sees Christ, and never encounters Christ? Even if they won't be born again, they should take stones and want to stone you like Stephen. They either be cut to the heart and say, men and brethren, what shall we do? Or cut to the heart and say that we have to stone you. But definitely they must know. Bible talks about how Paul, they gathered to him in Rome after the shipwreck and he was put in house arrest. They didn't pre- pre- prevent him from his friends from visiting Acts chapter 28. And they came and the Jews gathered. And he says that, uh, haven't you heard about what the other Jews are saying about me in Jerusalem? They said, we don't know anything. They said, okay, so they organized the day they came. And from morning, he began to, ooh, he began to reason with them from scripture, from morning to evening. He was reasoning with them until he got to a time where he spoke about the Christ. He finished it by, by highlighting that Christ, Jesus, is the Christ of our Torah. He's the Christ Abraham looked forward to. He's the Christ David prophesied about. He's the Christ Elijah had always talked about. Jesus is the Christ and the resurrection. When they heard it, they said, no, Lord. Some of them got Isaiah. We are not interested in this kind of thing. But at least, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among them. When he had said, well, look at the verse 27 and verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles because they are not willing to receive the Christ he's talking about. All right. So the point I'm making is that every preaching, he said, him we preach. He said, him we preach. Didn't we see a Friday's Bible reading? Yes. That uh, uh, we're not preaching enticing words of man's wisdom. Lest the cross of Christ will be made of non effect. Non effect. He said, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 67, Christ did not send me to baptize. Yes. He did not send me to baptize. <laughs> Some people say, okay, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's just, it can easily be explained for you to understand. Look at verse 17. And then he says something very strong there. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Now, this one is very important. He didn't say not with wise words. Wise words are different from wisdom of words. The wisdom of words is words that can sound very appealing to you. Where's that sound? Mm, this is good. Philosophical. You know, I taught you, agonizomaya. I found now, um, paralogizomaya. Agonizomai. Actually, mai. Agonizomai is to strive. Paralogimai, zomai, is to beguile. Is to distract. Para. You know what para means? It's coming alongside. And logic, logic, logos. So it's paralogic. It's reasoning that comes alongside, striving alongside, but it's not the main thing. It's, it's on a different track. But it's coming alongside the track. And if you are not wise, if you are not well taught, if you are not smart in the Lord, you will realize that this is a distortion. You will realize that this is a distraction. That is why we have to spend a lot of our church hours in teaching. A lot of it must be spent in teaching. A lot of our fellowship, our fellowshiping times must be spent not only that, but a lot of the time must be spent in teaching because of paralogies of my Because there will be opinions that can come alongside that are very enticing. It's heavily based on the wisdom of words. 
how you can put the words together to make a point and make a case. That is not the strength of preaching. The strength of preaching is not in the oratory, particularly, or, or homiletics. The strength of preaching, homiletics, is necessary. But it's not in the, we saw Paul said that, my preaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. Watch this. He said, so that your faith, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, your faith, verse 4, will not rest in the wisdom of man, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. That is why when he came, he didn't come as a lecturer, but as a preacher. Mm. Please, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Other things can come on the side, but they can't be the main thing. They cannot and should not. It's a pernicious aberration. <laughs> well, so, Paul said that, I don't, you read, Paul was an intellectual, but guess what? His preaching was not based on academic strength or his mental strength or intellectual strength. His preaching was based on his spiritual strength. Spirit to spirit. So he said that he was teaching these people, one, to know that Christ is enough, and two, to also, he said, I'm saying these things, if I don't say it, someone will beguile you. Someone will paralogizomai you. Beguile, uh, ESV, should delude, delude you, or I think a New American Standard Version also uses delude, and even actually um, uh, persuade, uh, delude, and uh, amplify. Let's look at the amplify. The amplify says that, this I say so that no one will deceive you with persuasive, but thoroughly de uh, deceptive. It's very persuasive. Very persuasive, but deceptive. It's deceiving you. It's not the right thing. It's not the right thing. It's not the right thing. I was thinking about when I was reading my Bible this morning, First uh, Corinthians chapter four. I was did something occurred to me. You know about the Christ of the Scripture. You know, when a Muslim tells you Christ is in the Quran. What is he looking for? Not like, not what is Christ looking for. What is his agenda for telling you Christ is in the Quran? What is his agenda for telling you Christ is in the Quran? What does he know about Christ? Has he checked the Christ of Hebrews? You can't find the Christ of Hebrews in the Quran. No, no textbook. The Christ of John. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was God. You can't find it in any book. You can only find that in the scripture. Yes. It's in the Bible. There is a version. You might find Mary's boy. Because that is history. Yes. Oh. That is history. So you can find some historical records in some other books that attempt to mention history. That tells you the historicity of Christ is unimpeachable. The historicity of Christ is authentic, is real. That's why other history books will take. Even the Jewish history books mention it. They talk about it. Roman history will talk about it one way or the other. Because the guy walked and he was, he was a big influencer. People following. Bible said, all the city went to him. Oh, you can't record history and leave that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's important to understand. I'm making a point here that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John records history that is true. But behind the history they record, there were some revelations of what the prophets have said. Deep. So when we were doing Matthew last month, you noticed that much of the time he said that that it might be fulfilled, which was said of the prophet. So it wasn't just recording of history. It's recording of re redemptive documents. So, because it's not everything Jesus did and said that was recorded. So when someone is telling you that there is a gospel according to Thomas, 
And, and so what? You see, that's, that's, that's what they tell you. You see, there are things you have to know about Jesus. The, the, this one is King James. He has taken some things away, and you won't know it. That, that's what Paul is saying. Okay. Now we need something else about Jesus. These are some of the religious nonsense that people want to hear. And to make them feel like you, they said, more I know you don't know. The Christ here is enough. The Christ here is enough. But you, you, you don't know. There the, the are books that have been written and the, the, because. So, so then you have to be careful lest anyone spoil you. You can easily be spoiled. But the problem about the spoiling it's not even just the bad things, because it's easy to spoil bad things. When you look at the verse 8, it says that thou use the word spoil. Verse 4 said, beguile. Verse 8 said, beware! Lest any man spoil you. That word spoil there, the Greek word spoil there, connotes when you have been, you see, when they go for war, and then the benefits they get from their enemies, the, that spoil. They go and fight and they spoil. So when they say they spoil you, now you have also become one of the victims of what some of the churches have embraced. That is very foreign to Christianity. You have become. Why? Because they have spoiled you. You have been spoiled. They spoiled you. So now you are a spoil. You started out right in church. Started out right in Christ. Look at how thirsty you were for Christ. Now look at where it's ended you. Most times when people, sometimes even this oh, hyper is called hyper grace or hyper deliverance or hyper uh, faith or hyper praise. Anything hyper. Okay. The only thing you can have hyper is Christ. Yes. But anything hyper grace, hyper faith, hyper prosperity, I, um, uh, uh, hyper deliverance, hyper holiness, uh, hyper intellectualism, hyper whatever. All these hyper things have a way of distracting from Christ. Once you take it too far, it has a way of distracting from Christ that people are hearing you, but it's void of the life or the reality of Christ. Void of it. They are not getting attracted to Christ. And I found out, I've been in church a little while, not too long, but by God's grace, active in church a little while, and I found out that when people begin to go off and begin to embrace all kinds of ideologies and ideas as new deep revelations, it doesn't take long before you realize, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something. There are certain things that are basic and foundational, like genuine Bible studies, genuine intense prayer life, genuine Christian fellowship, genuine Christian sacrifices, genuine Christian giving, basic Christian practice like giving, praise, these things are fundamental. When people begin to attack it, it took me long before you could say, Jack, other things have started growing in their lives. Yeah, at that thing. Any pastor who ends up in adultery or faith thing starts with compromised doctrine. They all, you, when your doctrine is compromised, your practice will be compromised. And usually, it, we speak about, we don't talk about our private internal struggles. Be careful. Be careful. Someone will beguile you. Lest any man beguile you with enticing words. With enticing words. The words are enticing. Romans chapter 16 verse 18 says, For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Hey. All the thing they are doing is just their own personal agenda. Yes, yes. They are serving their own. Not. So people are just carrying or projecting themselves as they are serving Christ, but really it's their, their belly they are serving. Yes. Wow. Because what you are doing is distracting from Christ. Wow. Wow. Their own bellies. 
And he said, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Good words. Good words. That's how we postpone the church. Most times when assistant pastors want to leave a church, they definitely usually don't want to go alone. When a Judas is about to strike, he starts recruiting way before. Yeah. <laughs> KPI. <laughs> oh, yeah. They will always. Judas started complaining about how much was being spent on Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He, started, he started complaining long time. It's too much. Why are we, why are we doing all that? <laughs> why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why do you have this? Why? 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 He actually complained about what the woman spent on Jesus. Yes, he was following. Oh, Jesus is a man of God. Jesus is a man of God. But he can't spend that. And they always complain privately. It mustn't be open. Because they still love their position. Girl, you better help your husband. He's leading you astray. Boy, you better help your wife. She's leading you astray. And your family may pay dearly for it. Thank you. Dearly. So, it says that with persuasive words, deceiving the simple. Deceive I don't know where I've gotten now by God's grace with humility. All these so-called other religious theologians or philosophers, I don't see myself meeting any of them for them to speak and confuse me. <laughs> where I am. I've beaten too much into the mystery of Christ that they don't actually have a clue. So what happens is that as soon as they start talking, I just can pick up, no, like, okay, you are, you are, you are, you are, your argument is on the wrong premise. Like they came to Jesus, they said that, you know, these were the intellectuals. They were the intellectuals of the day. The Sadducees. The Pharisees were the very religious ones, far right. And uh, the Sadducees were the woke guys. <laughs> I, don't even want, I don't know why people call themselves liberals. Because God is the most liberal. Yet he abides by principles. Anyway, so the Sadducees came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. Yeah. They came to Jesus and they, they told him a story. Now, because they don't believe in angels, they don't believe in spirit, they don't believe in resurrection. So they, that's what they used to do to the Pharisees. Every time an argument breaks out, or they just have one question, they will ask a Pharisee, and the Pharisee is conf- confused because those guys were intellectuals and their pride was how much they have mastered the law of Moses. They, they were authorities when it came to the law of Moses. They knew it so well, the Sadducees. So they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, um, I have a question for you. Um, you believe in the resurrection, right? It's a public, public question. Yeah, believe in the resurrection, yeah, right? Okay, then he said, there was a family of brothers. Because according to the law of Moses, if you marry somebody, and if a man dies and doesn't have a child, his brother must marry the wife and produce children in the name of his deceased brother. So he says that, one married the woman and died without a child. So the second one had to marry. So legally, she became the wife of the second one. And then he also died without a child. And so then legally, she became the wife of the third. And then all the seven to eight brothers, all were married to her legally. Then they said, (laughs) all right, now they all died, right? The woman also eventually died. (laughs) They said, at the resurrection, you, you talk about resurrection. At the resurrection, whose wife would it be? If they ask you such a question, you will feel, 
This is very intelligent. And you are confused. What should I say? They, they just asked Jesus the question. And Jesus said, you err because you don't know the scripture nor the power of God. You are making a mistake. See, the premise of your question is even flawed. You think it's so intelligent. And he says that, and the resurrection, there will not be married. <laughs> there will not be married. So, it, then he, Jesus quoted the Moses they depend on. He quoted Moses and he says, that, have you not read Moses? He said, you want to talk Moses? Let me take you to Moses. And Jesus took them to Moses and showed them in Moses that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but it's the God. So you are talking about dead people. But God is the God of the living. He confused them. Another time some people came. They said, um, the Christ, whose son is he? They know the one. Or how about those who came, they said that, okay, she, she was caught in adultery. Moses said, she should be so. What have you got to say? And they were standing there waiting. <laughs> and you know what they will say? Today we got this guy. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 2. Nevertheless, we speak the wisdom of God, which has been revealed for our glory, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Pray for us that we'll be granted boldness to open my mouth boldly to speak the mysteries of. You see, you are far lost. People are telling you things, they will show you historic facts. That some of the facts are not even historic. Yeah. Twisted facts, but some of it sound amazing. Yeah. Show you facts that this said that, this person said that. So what do you say? Or some, those who are funny is the ones who take the Bible. They say the Bible is contradicting itself. Yes, sir. It's because it was written by over 40 human authors yeah. over a period of 1,400 years. Some of them never saw each other. They never, some were, some were uh, porters, some were prisoners, some were kings, some were shepherds, some were fishermen, some were butlers, some were doctors, some were lawyers. Different, different background. Some, they were not all even in one geographical location. So somebody writes something 100 years ago, you are also writing something around the same subject. There's likely who that they will say things that will contradict. But the Bible doesn't contradict this. But why did I bring that in? Because the language that was employed might be slightly, if you are not careful, you might miss what this person meant. But it's not contradicting. But when one person goes to hide in a cave <laughs> and comes and says, Me, I have uh, an angel. Were you there when the angel appeared? <laughs> and you are not permitted to even scrutinize or challenge it. It's one person. That's why you have to protect. No one should challenge it, you know? the Bible, you can scrutinize it, you can challenge it anywhere, it doesn't matter, because it's not afraid of scrutiny, because truth is eternal. Truth is eternal. So when you come to me and say, the Bible contradicts, it's because you don't know what you're talking about. So all I have to say, Lord, forgive him, for he doesn't know what he's saying. <laughs> I have to just pray for you. That God forgive you and present Christ raw to you. Christ died for your sins. He was, he was buried, he resurrected on the third day, so you don't go to, want to go to hell if you put your faith in him. Yes. Now, the text we are reading in the verse 5, we just read verse 4, be careful lest anyone beguile you with enticing ways. In the verse 5, it says that, for even though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit. Say in the spirit. In the spirit. And with you in the spirit, joining and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Mm. I mean, this, I can tell. See, sometimes you meet people when you are spiritual. If you are not spiritual, you miss a lot. You miss a lot of things. But if you are spiritual, you will notice a lot of things as well. Paul said, "I can behold your order. I'm beholding the in the spirit. I'm joining and beholding your order." Because I can tell that I'm happy for the, with the way you guys are doing things. Sometimes a pastor can meet someone and say, boy, girl or boy, sister, brother, it looks like something is going wrong with you. Pastor, what have I done? He won't be able to put his finger on anything. You know? 
by a spiritual man is talking to you. When you are in the spirit, you pick things that intelligence don't. Mm. Natural mind don't. And that's one of the jobs of a pastor to be prayerful and to be spiritual so that you can help people. When an instruction comes, sometimes it's from a spirit. Paul said, I am with you in the spirit. I'm with you when you were in the car and saying those things. I was, oh, Jesus. I was there. <laughs> okay, what did we say? I won't be able to repeat it. But my spirit, I, I can behold your disorder. Beholding your disorder. And not joying over it. Paul said, I join. Join and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. Faith is not in the face. Meanwhile, you were saying a lot of negative things about the church, mm. and Pastor will be preaching plenty, 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 plenty. You were saying, Pastor, this treaty was so good. <laughs> <laughs> and the grace on the man is saying, Shame, I will never come to you. I will never come. I said something sometime ago. You can deceive a man, but not his grace. Yes, 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 yes. You can deceive his grace. Yes, sir. You can't deceive his grace. See, our prayers work. But as to whether it will work in your life, that one you determine. It's up to you. As to whether it will work. God is actually working in this church, you know. Yeah. Someone is listening to me. God is really working in your church. Your pastor is anointed. But you are very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I can't believe I didn't go to verse 8 so um, it says that um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 3 and 4 Paul talks about when you meet and my spirit is with you yeah. and my spirit is with you for indeed as absent in the body but present in spirit for indeed, as I, I have already judged that person who has been doing it, him who has done this. Look at the next verse, verse 4. Verse 4, it says that, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit. That's why it's important when, like we have had given an hour, we are fasting. When a pastor is not there or the pastor is not there and you get a chance to stand before any of the uh, congregants, two or three or more, you have to be careful. Don't say things different from what the pastor is saying. Don't do that. And say, well, they say we are fasting every day, but, or they say a miracle is coming, miracle is coming, miracle is coming. You haven't seen any miracle, but we are still believing God. <laughs> That's beguiling, beguiling people. Because it says that when you meet, my spirit is there. He didn't talk about the spirit of Jesus. It's Paul, his spirit, because he is the father of the congregation. He said, my spirit is there. My spirit is there. When we finish choir, you are going home in that car. My spirit is there. You don't have to believe it. It will show your life. The impacts will show. Will show. The kind of things that can proceed out of your mouth in your house. You. You today, is this what can proceed out of your mouth in your house with your wife or with your husband? You. Had it not been for this grace, would this even marriage have survived? Paralogizomaya, it sounds enticing, sounds persuasive, sounds good, but it's taking you away. It's drifting you away. So be careful, it's spoiling you. It's deceiving you. So be careful. When you meet him, my spirit is there. 
my spirit, when you meet, my spirit is there. My spirit is with you. And my, in my spirit, that's why it's important to be spiritual. In my spirit, I can perceive things. Because the Corinthians were soulish people. The Corinthians, not Colossians, Corinthians, they were soulish people. They were carnal people. But Paul is a spiritual man. So he could, his spirit could pick things up. I, I couldn't, I never thought I would get to verse 6. I just, what is wrong with me? The verses is where the meat, the real meat was. Real meat was. So in conclusion, in conclusion, <laughs> in conclusion, Paul had to write to protect the church from distractions. And when we get to verse 8, you see, not back in philosophy. Philosophy and things that are basic in the world. It was beginning to enter the church to distract from Christ. Good things, but they were distracting from Christ. And anything that distracts from Christ is the real enemy, is the real danger. So be careful lest anyone deceives you, anyone deludes you, anyone spoils you. Be careful. Verse 4, be careful. I have to say these things lest you will be beguiled, you'll be deluded, and you'll be deceived. I pray that God will help us. Grow deeper in Christ. Start that it becomes practically impossible for us to be deluded. By good things or bad things. Nice things or ugly things. I pray that we will know Jesus more and more. The Jesus of the scriptures. The Jesus of our salvation. Jesus, the son of God, our high priest. Jesus, our forerunner. Jesus Christ, the ancient of days. I pray God will help us all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe like and share the message. Be blessed.